0: The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith Hill, that's who we are. Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A uh, a what? A doer, not just a hearer. A doer, not just a hearer. (laughs) Today, I'll learn from God's words and my life. Will never be the same again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Praise God. Well, we are still talking about why do bad things happen to good people. And this is a series that we started uh, three weeks ago. And so we are on part three. Why do bad things happen happen to good people? And building up to today, uh, we looked at several things and uh, uh, we came to a conclusion that God is good uh, and the devil is bad. And that can be a great doctrinal compass. God is good. Someone say God is good, and that is good all the time. The devil is bad, and is bad all the time. Uh, The benchmark uh, scripture you can use is John 10.10. Jesus said, uh, I came that you might have life and have it all more abundantly, which means God is good. God is pro-life. God is for life, and that word life, is not just limited to breathing in uh, oxygen and breathing out uh, carbon dioxide. It's the Greek word zoe, which means the God kind of abundant living. Nothing missing and nothing broken. So when Jesus says he came, that you might have life, he's talking about you and I having life. Uh, uh, in every sense of the word, uh, spiritually, physically, financially, uh, and any other way uh, that we live our lives. Amen? Uh, he says, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The thief, though, he comes to do what? To steal to kill and to destroy. So whenever uh, uh, there's some stealing and some killing and some destroying happening in your life, uh, we can uh, 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 credit all of those works to the devil. And whenever there's life and life in abundance, we can credit uh, those things to God. Amen? There's another passage of scripture that we would like to start with today, and it's in James chapter number 1 verse 16. And the apostle James is writing to the church that he pastored, and he says this he said do not be deceived my brothers the reason why he starts off in verse 16 with that statement do not be deceived is because he's getting ready to uh, reveal or teach on an area of uh, a potential deception so he says do not be deceived uh, my dear brothers and then he says in verse 17 because every good someone say good He says every good and every perfect gift comes from above from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning, which simply means with whom uh, 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 God is not schizophrenic. God does not have a split personality. When he says there is no variableness with God, he's saying uh, uh, God is good and is good all the time. When he says there is no uh, shadow of turning, he's saying God uh, never wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. Amen? Amen. God does not operate from the mercy of uh, uh, mood swings. God does not, uh, 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 you know, one day is good and one day is bad and the other day is, you know, just kind of uh, not sure where he's at. God is good and is good all the time. And this is who our Heavenly Father is, and we need to establish this in our hearts. If you don't know this as a truth, if you don't establish this truth in your heart, you will be vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. You won't be able to fight when you should be fighting. Uh, It makes passive out of Christianity. It makes uh, Christians passive when, when they don't know this reality and this truth that God is good and that He is good all the time. All good things come from above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. So God, our Heavenly Father, is a good, good Father. When there are terrible things happening in the world and terrible things happen in life, uh, it's not God. God is not the one that's uh, causing, you know, uh, tornadoes in Texas. God is not the one uh, that causes places to flood. He did in the Old Testament before Jesus came. And uh, he did it as an act of compassion and mercy and and love. And there is no longer judgment that remains for you and I. God is not judging you and me. We are in the dispensation of grace where God is treating us with uh, mercy and grace. And whoever accepts Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, your judgment falls on Jesus. Amen. Amen. So God doesn't judge you every single day for your individual sins. Contrary to popular belief. I used to think God is sitting in heaven keeping a record. And whenever bad things happen, I'd say, oh, I know exactly why. I cut that guy in traffic. And I'm getting what I deserve. No, God is not judging you. His judgment for you went on to Jesus. What God is doing right now is extending mercy and grace. Amen. Even on your worst day, God is extending. Mercy and grace. God loves you, and He loves you unconditionally. Amen. So our heavenly Father is a good, good Father who treats us with love. We've established all these things uh, in the past uh, three weeks. Today we are looking at a hot topic. We're looking at uh, something uh, that I believe uh, uh, is uh, grossly misunderstood in the body of Christ, and we're going to look through Scripture, and I believe we're going to get some answers today. Amen. So uh, uh, we're going to be looking at this question. We're going to be trying and attempt to answer this question and here's the question must christians suffer that's the question today. Must Christians suffer? Because there's a lot of suffering going on uh, in the world. There's a lot of, uh, some self-inflicted because they want to be uh, spiritual. If you go to some parts uh, of uh, the world in South uh, South America, uh, if you go to South America, some people do penance. Some of them will crawl on glass for three, four, five kilometers because they want to inflict uh, suffering on themselves so that they can be more holy, so that they can feel like Jesus felt on the cross. Some people during Easter would actually get crucified so that they can also, you know, uh, suffer like our Lord and Savior suffered. Well, let me announce to you, brothers and sisters, that Jesus, when He went to the cross uh, to die for you and I at the cross for our sins, He wasn't showing us a formula of how to live life. (laughs) He was taking our place so that we could take His place. There was a divine exchange that took place. Now, the divine exchange wouldn't help you too much if you also want to climb up the cross. (laughs) Amen? So Jesus went to the cross so that you could walk scot-free. Amen? So there's no point in you also trying to climb up the cross. Amen? Scripture says, He who knew no sin became sin. When uh, and, and where did He become sin? On the cross. He became sin so that you and I might become the what? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's Second Corinthians 5.21. He became sin on the cross. Uh, Galatians 3, uh, 13 to 14, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Amen? So Christ hung on the tree, took your place so that you could take his place. It's the divine excellence. It's one of the most awesome things that ever happened when Jesus went to the cross. Is that we swapped places. Because yeah. truth be told, you and I were the ones that deserved to be on that cross. Because yeah. well, we did it. <laughs> yep. Some of you are like, no, I didn't, Pastor. <laughs> no. Huh? Mm-mm. The Bible says in Romans 3:23 for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God everybody and their mama was guilty <laughs> the dog the hog the frog everybody was guilty amen Guilty as charged, and this is why uh, there was—I uh, mean—there was a judgment hanging over our heads, and Jesus said, "You know what? I'm going to pay for that judgment." He became the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice uh, for our sins. Amen. So the question is: Must Christians suffer? The Bible has something to say about Christian suffering, and we're going to look up at it and quantify it. So the question is: Must Christians suffer? must Christians suffer? And the answer to that is both yes and no. And here's the yes. Second Timothy chapter number three, verse twelve. This is what he says. Uh, he says, "Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution." Did you read that? He says, "Yes, all who desire to live what godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution." He didn't even say all who live godly. If you just have a desire to live godly, etcha, <laughs> you're qualified. Amen. How many desire to live godly after reading that verse? It's like, oh, man, uh, But context is everything when you're dealing with suffering. So let's see uh, what the context is uh, uh, with regards to this verse. So we're going to start reading from verse 10 so we can get a little bit of context on what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Here's what it says in verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and at Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord. The who? The Lord delivered me. Yes, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So the question is, what kind of persecution did the Apostle Paul suffer in Iconium and Lystra? It is documented in the book of Acts. Uh, Man opposed him. In Iconium and Lystra, in fact, uh, the religious leaders uh, stoned him and left him for dead. So the persecution in context that the Apostle Paul is talking about here is the persecution of men uh, opposing you for the preaching of the gospel. So the Apostle Paul is not saying at Iconium, I, I suffered hunger. I did not have my needs met. God didn't provide. He didn't say that. He's not saying that I got sick. And uh, he uh, provided ten uh, drums for them filled with wine. And then the other time, uh, he had about 5,000 people he was preaching to. And uh, 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 those 5,000 got hungry. And uh, he took two fish, five loaves, and he provided for them. You remember the story? I mean, there was not a single need in the natural that Jesus came across that he was not able uh, to fulfill. The one time uh, they had to pay their taxes, they sent his disciples to go uh, 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 fish, and they uh, 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 this uh, this, uh, fish had a coin in its mouth. You remember the story? There was not a single need. So when he says Jesus suffers persecution, we're not saying Jesus uh, went with his needs unmet. That's not a part of the persecution or the suffering that we are talking about. Can I get an amen? Amen. And when we say Jesus suffered persecution, we're also not talking about him uh, having sickness and and, uh, disease in his body. Jesus never got sick. And every person who he came across who was sick, he was able to heal them. God empowered him. 10 10:38. We know that uh, God empowered him by the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about uh, doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He set them free from sickness and disease. So this kind of suffering that we are not talking, that we are talking about, is men coming against you for the preaching of the gospel. I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Bolaji from Nigeria, uh, Lagos, Nigeria, on Friday. Marshall was with me in the car, and we were just chatting and just catching up. He pastors a church out there uh, of about 10,000 people. I mean, they're doing really well in ministry and they're buying a property worth 5 million US dollars, he said on the phone and uh, they're doing it cash. So God is blessing them and amazing things are happening uh, in their ministry and we began to talk about our childhood growing up, you know, because sometimes we just get on the phone and 30 minutes, 40 minutes, one hour, we're just kind of encouraging each other and just, you know, uh, uh, hanging out and he started talking about, you know, his child growing up. He was laughing at me because I was telling him, man, I grew, up, I grew up poor. Even our poor neighbors thought we were poor. He was laughing at me. He said, "Tafara, I grew up in privilege. I said, really? He said, yeah. I grew up in privilege and I didn't know what it meant not to have uh, stuff." because, I mean, we had stuff all the time. But the day he got born again, the day he received Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior, his parents disowned him. And he said, from that day onwards, man, I knew what it meant to, you know, use public transport and to go with my needs. And met there was persecution that came from his parents. They took him uh, uh, from the wheel, and so he—I mean, they—they literally uh, threw him into the streets. And I mean, he he says, man, I had to stand on that conviction that I believe Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father because they were trying to get him involved with another religion. And he was saying, no, I have the conviction that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. So I'm going to stand on my conviction. And he stood on that conviction. And persecution didn't stop for years upon years and years. He didn't have a good relationship with his uh, parents, didn't have a good relationship Uh, with his uh, siblings because of that, because of choosing to serve and to follow Jesus. That's the kind of persecution that we are talking about. People will come against you for your decision to follow Jesus. In 2021, uh, it's to a certain degree. It's not really full on, uh, but I believe there's coming a day uh, not too far from now where you're going to have to stand on that conviction uh, or face death. I believe it's coming, and we need to be, you know, built up for that. The, the, the early church, I mean, they, were, they, they would stand on that conviction. Most of them were being fed to lions, and you know what would happen in the uh, Maximus, uh, in the stadium? What would happen is others would see their conviction when the lions would come, and eat, and they would jump in and join in and start singing choruses and say, man, we, we see the passion, we see the conviction of what they believe, in. we're jumping in and we're joining in. And so there's going to be persecution and suffering, but it's not uh, in the realm of finances and material things or in your body. How do we know that? Quickly, let's go to uh, 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse 24. As we go there, we're going to take a little detour and read uh, Matthew 10, 23. This is Jesus speaking. And listen to what Jesus said. He said, and you will be hated by all men for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. He says, when they persecute you in the city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say unto you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So Jesus is not saying, when they start persecute you, move to Durban. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when people persecute you, instead of you spending time trying to win them over, you must move on with life swiftly. Otherwise, you're not going to reach the people that you're supposed to reach. You can spend so much time trying to win over critics. You can spend so much time trying to convince people who don't believe in what you believe in uh, and actually not use up that time and energy to reach the people you're called to reach. Man, you can stop running the race, you know, get off the track, running the race, go into the grandstands and start having a debate with your critics and win the argument, but you will certainly lose the race. Hunt your neighbor and say, Keep running. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you must move on swiftly. Don't try to justify yourself to people. If God tells you to do something, just go ahead and do it. Is there going to be criticism? Oh, for sure. Is there going to be uh, 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 persecution? Oh, for sure. If you're doing something uh, that's worth anything in the kingdom of God, someone is going to oppose you. If you're just chilling out and having pop, man, no one one cares. (laughs) Nothing wrong with pop. I love pop. Amen? (laughs) Jesus himself was opposed when he was here on the earth. He was falsely accused of blasphemy. In Matthew 26:65, in uh, John 9, 24, he was falsely accused of being a sinner, falsely accused of being a criminal. In John 18:30, falsely accused of being a glutton and a drunk. In Matthew 11:19, falsely accused of being a devil. In John 8:48, falsely accused of being out of his mind. In Mark 3:20, listen, people are gonna say all kinds of things about you. Amen? I mean, I'm surprised when Christians, uh, you know, they just, they're getting ready to give up on life because somebody said something about them. Did you hear this? They accused Jesus of being out of his mind. They called him a devil. And here you are. All they said was, your jeans didn't match your t-shirt. And you're getting ready to quit on life. Oh, Lord Jesus. Man, I have, a, I have an acronym that I use uh, uh, to win in life. I call it uh, VRP. VRP, whenever stuff that's, you know, not important tries to uh, get my attention, I just remind myself, to Tafara, VRP, Just just VRP. And some of you may say, what's VRP? VRP is this, you must learn to vehemently, what? You must learn to vehemently reject pettiness. Man, you must, if you want to be great in life, you need to teach yourself, first of all, to be a, 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 a pettiness sporter. Yep. You need to spot pettiness a mile away and say, ah, that's petty. I'm not getting involved. Yep. Yeah. And just walk the other way. Man, some of you get involved with way too much pettiness. That we not, I mean, the level of persecution we're talking about here is not someone didn't like my Instagram post. No, we're talking about persecution. Man coming against you for, the, for, for your conviction. And if you are a man pleaser, Scripture tells us not to be man pleasers. It says the fear of man is a snare, is a trap. If you live your life to try and win people over all the time, man, the Bible says it's a trap. It's a snare. Jesus didn't even try to explain himself to people who thought that uh, he was the devil. He didn't even try to explain himself uh, to people who thought he was out of his mind. He didn't even try. He just went about doing the work of the Father. And that's what we should be doing. Amen? Amen? I said amen. So we we ought not to suffer uh, sickness and disease. 1 Peter 2.24, He says, Who his own self bear our sins on his body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should be alive unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So Jesus went to the cross. When the Bible says on the tree, he was hung on the tree. He went to the cross and he redeemed you and I from sickness. Man, if you grasp the magnitude of what Jesus paid for at the cross, you will never entertain uh, 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 another you know, day being sick, another downtime being sick in your body. You will be so aggressive, you know, getting a hold and grabbing that, you know, healing that Jesus paid for. I mean, literally, Jesus went to the cross, and the Bible says in Isaiah 52, verse 14, He says His face, if you would look at His face while He was at the cross, you know, redeeming all mankind from sickness and disease, He says His face didn't even look like the face of a human being. I mean, all of the tumors, all of the cancers, all of the COVID-19s, all of the COVID-32, you know, the one that's coming, all of the other ones that went into his body to the point where he didn't even look like a human being. His body was beyond uh, 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 recognition uh, because of all these things, all of these spirits that came into his body so that he could set you and I free from sickness and disease. Who His own self bear all your sickness on the cross. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. These are some of the benefits that we get to receive when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We become healed, the healed of the Lord. We receive divine healing and divine health. Amen. Amen. He says, who forgives us of all our iniquities and heals us of all our diseases. He satisfies our mouths with good things and our youth is renewed like that of an eagle. Man, you can run and not get weary if you know what it meant when Jesus went to the cross. This is why we should keep our eyes all the time. We should fix our eyes on Jesus right there at the cross. Receive the fullness of that revelation. Amen? Amen. Man, I'm telling you, that's where uh, uh, sustenance is. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Don't look around. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and you will draw on that healing. So, Jesus suffered these things so that we didn't have to. And he suffered them so that we can be delivered from them. Can I get an amen? Isaiah chapter number 53. This is what it says. It says, who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So Isaiah was prophesying, Isaiah 52. He's talking about the coming Messiah. He's talking about how an awesome day it's going to be. It's going to be a great day. And in uh, verse 53, as it starts off verse 1, he stops and he says, Man, who can believe such awesome news? This is good news. That we don't have to earn our own things with God. That somebody else became our Savior. This is who will believe. Our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And he began to talk about Jesus, verse 2. He says, for he, Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form, no comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So Jesus wasn't necessarily ugly, but he wasn't too beautiful that he would stand out. So if you would look at the 12, 13, Jesus included, you wouldn't be able to tell which one is Jesus. That's why they needed uh, Iscariot, Judas, to go and kiss him to, you know, spot which one is Jesus. Because he just looked like any of them. Such humility from heaven. It's awesome. Jesus is God in flesh. Now listen, if I was God planning to come to the earth in flesh, you know, listen, I'm not fitting in. (laughs) Listen, I'm not fitting in. I'll tell you, oh, man, I'm going to be different. Some 23-inch biceps to start off. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to look different, right? But Jesus came and just he was just amongst them. You know why? Because he is just so humble. He represents heaven. Now, watch what happened. Watch what happened in verse 3. It starts to get really interesting. It says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, Isaiah doesn't know exactly what he's talking about. See, he's prophesying, and he's seeing all these pictures, and now in verse 4, he began to prophesy about Jesus, and midway, he starts to look at it from the perspective of the people. Watch what happened. He says, surely, it's a sure thing, right? Surely he has borne our griefs carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. So he's saying Jesus came to carry our griefs, he came to carry our sorrows, but when the people looked on, they thought that all of that stuff that was happening to him at the cross was because he deserved it. The people who used to persecute him, they were saying, see, we told you this guy is crazy. Look, all of this is happening. God is doing it to him because he deserves it. In fact, if you read it in the Amplified Bible, this is what it says, verse 4. It says, he was he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows and pains, yet we ignorantly assumed that he was stricken and struck down by God and degraded and humiliated by him, yet... Verse 5, begins to switch it. He says, but he wasn't, I mean, Jesus wasn't on the cross for himself. He didn't suffer all those things because of what he had done. He says he was wounded for our transgressions. Whose? Ours. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Man, that's awesome. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I get to walk in divine health. I'm not even thinking about getting sick, not even planning to get sick. You know why? Because Jesus paid way too much for me to even entertain that thought. He was mad beyond recognition. And when I keep my eyes on the payment, I can become bold. Man, if someone came to you and they said, hey, listen, uh, I've just been to the uh, Apple store and I bought a a MacBook uh, for you, the 2021 one. I just paid everything for you. All you need to do is to go and collect it. Here's the uh, QR code. When you get there, they're going to scan it and give you the uh, MacBook. And you know that this person is of uh, a good reputation. What would you do? Someone's like, man, I'm going going to the Apple store. I'll be there before service. I might just leave service right now. (laughs) walk out. Now, here's the next question, is that when you get to the Apple store, if the guys at the Apple store say to you, man, we don't know what you're talking about, Uh, we don't have anything for you, Uh, if you really, really, really know the guy who told you and gave you the QR uh, code, what are you going to say? You're going to say, man, I I don't know what you're talking about. I've got the QR code here, and I'm not walking out of this building uh, without the Macbook. And here's what happened, because a lot of Christians don't know that Jesus has already paid for it, and that Jesus has already guaranteed it. He said, God gave us His word, and He said, uh, He's going to swear by uh, two immutable things, for which it was impossible for God to lie. So, God can't lie, and he put his uh, own reputation down when he gave you this promise that you are going to be set free from all kinds of sickness and disease, when your body uh, does not cooperate, most of you will just walk out of the apple store and say, oh, well, you know, I knew God wouldn't, re- I-, I knew God wouldn't pay for a Mac, but He can't afford it anyway. <laughs> Man, when you give up on the promises of God, it's a reflection of how you see God. Man, if you knew that God is God and that He's faithful, man, you are not walking out of that MacBook, uh, that iStore. Oh, man, I, listen, I might just sleep here. And that's what it should be with the promises of God. I'm getting healed today. I'm going to get healed. And I'm announcing that to the kingdom of darkness. And most people don't do it like that. Well, if I get healed, that will be awesome. But, you know, I can live with this. No, I can't. Because Jesus paid for it. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Completely. And so that's not the kind of suffering that... You know, the Bible promises us. That's not the kind of suffering that Christians are going to go through. Can I get an amen? amen. And the second one, that's not in context of what we're talking about, is 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. He says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Rich. Someone say rich. rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Rich. Did you read that? Rich. Jesus Christ was what? Is it in your Bible? Yes. Jesus Christ was rich, and by the way, that word "rich" is a uh, uh, and it's the same word translated "rich" in Mark 12, when Jesus sat by the treasury and he saw them giving offerings, and he says many rich people gave out of their abundance; they were not giving out of their spiritual riches. You're talking about money, mucho dinero. Amen. I said, Amen. amen. So when he says here in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he's talking about when Jesus walked his earthly ministry, he walked into the earth in the earth realm as a rich man. Some of you still don't believe it. Try taking care of 12 grown men for three and a half years. You have to have something going for you to be able to afford 12 grown men. Three and a half years. Okay, forget three and a half years. Try taking, the, uh, 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 taking care of them for a weekend. Okay, forget that. Just for a meal. <laughs> Just take them out to Nando's. Twelve grown men. You have to be rich for you to... Jesus did it for twelve and a half years. How many of you up in here ever walked into a wedding and they ran out of wine and you say, Don't worry, I got you. And you pull out your wallet. Anybody? <laughs> In fact, when you plan your weddings, you're cutting down. You're like, uh, Auntie, uh, Auntie Tepiso wasn't at my birthday, but she's not coming. You're cutting. No, Jesus say, man, everybody is <laughs> taking care of. Amen? 5,000. He said, let's feed them. The disciples went to him. They had a great suggestion. They said, hey, listen, we're going to send them home. Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them. They said, no, we're going to send them home. Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them. And the disciples said, man, look, we've counted the money that we have. We can't afford to feed these people. Jesus said, who are you talking to? Can't afford, and Jesus does not belong in the same sentence. Thank you, Lord. Who are you talking to? We're going to feed them. Brought two fish, five loaves to him, fed 5,000, excluding women and children. It's just so awesome what you see in Scripture when you just read it and believe it. Amen. He says, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, so Jesus Christ was what? Rich. Yet for your sake. For whose sake? For me. For me, Jesus did this. He became poor. He bankrupted himself at the cross. Literally. He bankrupted himself at the cross. He died uh, uh, naked and he died thirsty. In fact, they say the worst Cases of poverty, extreme cases of poverty, is when you can't afford clothes and water. And Jesus died that death for a reason, so that we, through that, might become rich. We through his poverty have now been redeemed from poverty. So that there was a divine exchange that took place. So when the Bible says those who desire to live godly will suffer persecution, he's not saying you will suffer as in going with your needs unmet. You have been delivered from that. Amen? The suffering he's talking about is people coming against you for Preaching the gospel. Let's go and look another at uh, something else um, uh, that I think uh, uh, deserves uh, mention while we're looking at this. We're going to be looking at uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Praise the Lord. Before we read this verse, uh, let me draw your attention to uh, a neutral uh, a word that we see in this text. There are several words, uh, you know, in our vocabulary that are neutral and they are only given meaning when you attach context to them. You know, the Bible word that we're going to be looking at is the word Exalt. Just the word exalt, what does that mean, exalt? Uh, That word doesn't have any uh, real meaning unless you attach uh, context to it. So Jesus said, those who exalt themselves shall be abased. What he was talking about was pride. So the word exalt uh, uh, in that context means pride. Pride. And if you read in 1 Peter chapter number 5, it says humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord and He will exalt you. Now that word means promotion. Same word, exalt. Do you see that? It only draws its meaning from the context. Now, as we read 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, we're going to come across another phrase uh, that only draws its meaning uh, from you know, the context that you attach to it. And we, you know, before we read it, this is the phrase. The phrase is this. Let me read it for you. It's, lest I should be exalted above measure. That's the phrase we're going to read. What does that mean? Lest I should be exalted above measure. Well, let me attach uh, a few examples for you that are going to help you understand what I mean. Uh, if I'm a football player and uh, I, I, I have all kinds of accomplishments and I, you know, I'm having a conversation with someone and I say, you know what? When I met those people over there, uh, I didn't share with them all my footballing accomplishments. Lest I should be exalted above measure. What what does that mean? That means I didn't share with them my accomplishments because I didn't want undue influence over them and I didn't want them to start worshiping me for my accomplishments. That's what it means, right? And here's the second example. If I you know, go to a certain city, and we're getting ready to play a game in a few days. And I've discovered all these new skills that I'm going to incorporate in my game to take me to the next level. And when I get to that city, uh, uh, I'm getting ready now to 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 uh, train so I can prepare for that game. If they don't give me access to their facilities, watch this now, lest I should be exalted above measure. What the second meaning of that word uh, phrase, lest I should be exalted? above measure means is lest I should uh, uh, just kill it in the, in the game. So they didn't want me to train. They didn't give me access lest I should be exalted above measure in my game. You get it? Now with that in mind, we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 verse 6. Uh, uh, popularly known as Paul's thorn in his flesh. Hallelujah. And this is what he says, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 6 in the New King James Bible. It says, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, though I would desire to glory in my accomplishments, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. For now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth uh, me to be or that he heareth of me and lest I should be exalted above measure. Now this verse, you have to read this one in the original King James Bible or New King James Bible because the translation is the closest to the original text. Everybody else butchered it. Now, let me read it one more time. Here's what it says. For though I would desire to glory, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, man, right now, I feel like I should glory, uh, uh, talk about my accomplishments. And prior to this, the Apostle Paul had been caught in the third heaven where he saw things that he says they were unlawful to speak. So the Apostle Paul had some real bragging rights on certain things. Right? He says, I'm not going to do that. I shall, I shall not be a fool to talk about that, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that ye heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure. Some may say, but Tepharah, you're reading part of the next verse and joining it to the first verse. Because when the Apostle Paul wrote the actual letter, he did not put numbers in it. It was a letter. He didn't say verse 1, hello. Verse 2, this is the Apostle Paul. No, he didn't. He just wrote the letter, and the translators uh, 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 put the numbers for easier referencing. And so this is what I saw when I read uh, this verse, that it's joined to part of verse 7. He's saying that I didn't bring it up. Otherwise, y'all are going to start treating me, uh, 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 start giving me, uh, you're going to start worshiping me. Like you do your, you know, your prophets and your papas. So the apostle Paul is like, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bring it up, lest I should be exalted above measure. Did you see that? And then the second one starts off uh, after the word measure, the word through. That's the next sentence. He says, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Through the what? So the reason the thorn was given was what? The abundance of revelation. Not to try and keep the apostle Paul humble. It would be foolish for the devil to try and keep anybody humble. The devil would love for you to be prideful. Amen? So I don't know why, you know, people mess up this scripture so much. Through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me. That word given is assigned. So the devils had their little devilish meeting in hell, and they assigned certain principalities on Paul, government authorities at the time, Judaizers, false prophets and false teachers would go and undo the work that the Apostle Paul was doing, ministering to the people in Galatia. They went and they were trying to drag the whole church back into legalism. And that was counterproductive. Amen. Amen. I said, amen. So the apostle Paul says, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan, it even tells you what the thorn in the flesh is. Bible scholars, some of them believe that it was a poor eyesight. Some of them believe that poor had clubbed feet. Some of them believe that it was some sort of stomach ailment. Man, you have to have a crazy wild imagination for you to see it in that verse. The Apostle Paul tells us, through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. The messenger of who? Satan to buffet me, to stop me, to hinder me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Lest I should break into new territories. Lest I should take this gospel to, uh, 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 further and further to the uttermost parts of the world. This thing was given to slow me down. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying the thorn was given to humble me. That's confusion gone to seed. Amen. I said amen. Amen. And so what is the thorn in the flesh? If you read uh, throughout Scripture, the phrase thorn in the flesh is uh, used to refer to problem people. It's never referred, uh, used to refer to sickness or disease. It's always used to refer to problem people. And so the Apostle Paul wanted to get rid of these people. And in verse 3, he prayed, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And the Lord didn't answer him. You know why? Because God is not in the business of taking people out. So it's not like the Apostle Paul prayed to be healed and God didn't heal him. Contrary to popular belief. The Apostle Paul started praying that these people would be removed from his ministry so that he could reach further and further. And God said, you know what? That prayer I can't answer. But here's what I can do for you. My grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect. Therefore, you can go through this situation. You can stand in the midst of persecution because of God's grace. God is not trying to take me... Listen. You can pray all you want. Your fire, fire prayers, sending them to your enemies. You can pray all you want. God is not going to... Send any fire to anybody. You can pray all you want. I'm just trying to help you. You can pray problems to people and say, Lord, that one, make their car break down. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You can even pray and say, Lord, kill them. It's just not going to happen. You know why? Because God is not in the business of taking uh, people. out. Even Jesus said the enemy will come and sow uh, weeds at night. The Lord will let them grow together. But at the right time, God is going to come and take care of business. Amen? So God is not in the business of uh, uh, killing people. Otherwise, it would be counterproductive. The devil would keep bringing problem people to you, and you start praying them out. And they out, another one, out, another one. It's just, it's, that's not how God does business. Amen? I said, amen. So the issue here uh, that the Apostle Paul was dealing with was people. It wasn't a sickness that the Lord didn't heal for three times. The Apostle Paul prayed and the Lord said to him, no, that's your th- thorn in. No, he was talking about people. These people are always going to be there. There's always going to be authorities that are anti-gospel. There's always going to be people uh, that come against what we believe. There's always Sometimes in the church, there's going to be people who say, man, those people preach grace. That's not, you know, uh, uh, the truth. The Apostle Paul had the same in his day. And you and I are not spared. Amen? So your problem is not people. What you need to do is to submit to the grace of God and it will empower you to go through any kind of persecution that you may face. God has released His grace to strengthen us, believers, to go through any kind of persecution. Listen, just like the Apostle Paul, the day that I know I'm doing something meaningful or or, or, or worthy uh, of any uh, 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 impact is the day that this happens. There was given unto him a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. There was literally a meeting in hell, and Paul's name was brought up. If that happens to me, Mama, I made it. <laughs> Cause now I'm doing something impactful. Man, if the the enemy has to assign specific spiritual entities to come against you, man, now you're doing something for. Them. In fact, go and research anybody who's doing something meaningful in the kingdom of God. They have several blo- blogs written about them. Uh, the, I mean, we had one. Uh, 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 young lady joined the church last year in august and uh, she she found out that you know the church was connected to andrew womack and to caris bible college and she went on the internet and started googling andrew womack and i mean some stuff is going to come up you know why because andrew is doing something impactful the day that tafara starts doing something impactful i'm going to have some blogs written about me praise the lord why doesn't someone notice me and write something about me it means i haven't started doing anything meaningful right And so she wrote an email. She said, I found something on the internet uh, uh, about Andrew, so I think we should not be connected to Andrew. I said, man, you got born again in August. In fact, I didn't say that to them. (laughs) No, 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 I didn't say that to them. I actually used VRP on that one. I just, you know, vehemently rejected because I could spot it a mile away. So I just kind of said, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, we're just not going to do anything. God bless you. You know, and moving right along, right? But this is what I really wanted to do in my flesh. Because there's a spiritual side and then there's the, you know, flesh. Man, in my flesh, I really wanted to say, come on, lean over, lean over here, lean over Because <laughs> for me, it didn't make sense. You got born again in August. This is October. I've been born again since 2002 and I mean I've come across this ministry and I've been helped tremendously by this ministry and not only that, I know people who know the man personally who have given me a good report. All you're going to bring up is someone that some stupid keyboard warrior typed? You're going to make a life decision based on something that someone typed? You don't even know who they are? That's what I really wanted to say but I was like, you know what? VRP And I have to quit Because I'm out of time Why don't you stand on your feet Thank you Jesus Someone shout His grace Is sufficient For me To go through Any kind of persecution Any kind of persecution When men oppose me Criticize me Mock me me. Laugh at me me. I shall not grow weary weary. In well doing Because his grace grace Is my strength His grace grace Is where I draw Sustenance from In the name of Jesus Jesus, I shall not be disheartened I I shall not be discouraged Though persecution may come I will rise above it because my eyes are fixed on Jesus. My eyes are fixed on the assignment. I will run the race with commitment, boldness, patience, so that I can see it through. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you, don't pray negative evil prayers don't even wish those things on anyone that's not the spirit of god that's not the spirit of god you remember when the disciples were saying jesus why don't you let us pray like elijah prayed in the old testament that the earth would open up and swallow these pharisees and jesus said you don't know which man of spirit you speak of this is not the spirit of god amen don't wish evil on people don't man forget praying about it i'm talking about those that come against you blatantly god said vengeance is mine and god will take care of business persecution will come man the day you start doing something meaningful they're going to start talking in the grandstands but for you to leave the race and go up the grandstands and start having a debate. By the time you come back on the track, man, we are gone. (laughs) Stay on the race. Stay on course. Amen? Father, we thank you for your children. Lord, we just thank you for these. Your children are blessed, redeemed from any curse, redeemed Uh, so that they can be blessed. Lord, we just thank you that they are redeemed from any sickness. If there is anyone under the sound of my voice who has sickness in their body, we release life right now. We release healing right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that migraines are being healed right now completely in the name of Jesus, that fibroids are being healed right now completely in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that sinuses are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that sore joints are being healed, lower back problems are being healed right now, In the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your healing. And we thank you for new organs, new kidneys. Right now, in the name of Jesus. New hearts, new lungs. In the name of Jesus. A new set of eyes in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that our strength is not diminished. We thank you, Father, that our eyesight is not diminished. In the name of Jesus, it's not dim. It will not uh, uh, be dimmed. But, Father, that it will grow stronger and stronger. Lord, I thank you that from today onwards, we are on an upward spiral. We are on an upward spiral. Things are starting to get better and better and better because we move from one level of glory to another. Lord, we thank you that marriages are getting better. We thank you, Father, that bodies are getting better. We thank you, Father, that things are getting, businesses are getting better. We are on an upward spiral right now. In the name of Jesus. We are swimming upstream, no longer going with the flow because you move us from one level of glory to another. The latter things shall be greater than the former things. What we have experienced now cannot be compared with what's coming tomorrow, cannot be compared with what's in the future because the path of the righteous keep getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Lord for doing it. Thank you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith hill. That's who-